0: I'd like to just just a few thoughts, not a sermon. You'll be glad to know. Um, um, just a few thoughts about the reading we had earlier on and Pentecost Sunday, because it's it is today that we recognise uh, Pentecost Sunday. The um, it's a uh, if you read the Old Testament, it was, it was often as a harvest festival. It was a time when you bring in the harvest uh, when the when the the harvest was brought in and, and that the fruit of of the, the labour was seen and and what was remarkable that first New Testament Pentecost is we see that the first fruits the first fruits of all the the nations were there. Uh, Kate read so well those strange places and names and I'm glad it was her reading them and uh, but all those strange places, and the world was gathered together for that Pentecost day, the Old Testament uh, celebration, and it was almost like that represented what would happen. The whole world would hear about this Jesus, and it was the the first fruits of, of what we'd see as this great harvest. Not just Jerusalem, not just Samaria, not just Turkey, not just Rome, but the whole world would hear. And today, I'm just delighted. To f- I look around this room and there are people from many different uh, countries. You, either you're born there or your parents were born there. Thank God that each of us, we may not have a common ancestry, we may not have a common ethnicity, but we have a common Lord, Jesus Christ. We've been given one spirit to. Bind us together. It's still happening today. This message going out. But Pentecost, uh, the celebration, in the Old Testament is also linked with the uh, the giving of the Law of Sinai. You know, that they'd go up when Moses went up to that mountain, of course, uh, to receive the Lord. The most amazing thing was that finally God had revealed to people what was expected that the rules, the, the way that they were to live and rather than the other nations around which did not have revelation. Because once you are told what God expects what God wants of you, then you can respond to God in that way. But imagine if you did not know, you had to guess. You had to try it uh, try it out to see whether does does a sacrifice here work or does this work? But God revealed to his people, and that was the amazing thing about the Ten Commandments. God revealed to his people what he wanted them to, how to live. And so no longer did they have to guess. It was revealed to them. That's what made Israel so remarkably unique. And here we have this in this new covenant. um, You remember Moses went up to that Mount Sinai, where there was fire, there was wind, there was thunder. These remarkable things happened there. And what do we see happen amongst these first believers in this room? We see tongues of fire, we see wind rushing, and, the, and you can imagine the sounds and things seem to be going out of control, just like what Moses experienced and the Israelites saw on the top, top of Mount Sinai. Of course, uh, wind is the same word in the, uh, in the Greek as uh, spirit. And so something is happening here. It's the spirit of God moving. Um, and when you get wind and fire together, you and I as Australians know how dangerous that is. You people from the mountains know how dangerous it is when you get wind and fire together. And you see our God is not a tame god he's not a god who is uh just meek and mild he is wild he is uh he's amazing we cannot control him we cannot box him and this was to mark the last days Peter says these these sorts of things happen in the last days. So, so the last days have been happening for the last 2,000 years, not just to a special group of people, but to all people. How, I wonder how comfortable we would be if we saw Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 happening here today, where it says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy... Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Could you imagine it? I mean, it's really good, you're nice and quiet and everyone's civilised, but what happens if some people start going prophesying around and and there's winds, and and there's this fire and there's things we can't understand? We'd have to call a members' meeting very quickly, wouldn't we, to vote to see whether that's okay? We, we just can't imagine what it would be like, and it was no different to these people back then. They had no idea what was happening. There was frighten, oh, frightened. Uh, we see the flippant people saying, "Ah, oh, they're drunk. They're drunk." But what Peter say? They can't be drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. We wish we could say that today, don't we? You know, we, you can't say that today. Uh, they can't be drunk, it's nine o'clock in the morning. And we know that. It's just amazing the difference. But verse 40, with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to the number in their day. We still live in a corrupt generation, don't we? We don't have to, there's no question there. Our society is corrupt. We, uh, we just think of the, the ways our corruption in our society through drugs and sex and alcohol and wealth, all these things that actually God gave us for our good, we've corrupted them, we've made them We've made them uh, to be corrupted, power, influence. We try to escape things. And that's why I believe we need to sometimes come back and call to a prayer and fasting. We need to come back to almost the default to remember what's important. You see, food three times a day is not the thing that's going to sustain your life forever. It's not the most significant thing in your life. The alcohol that you drink when no one's watching, that's not going to sustain you. That's not going to give you what you hope for. The wealth that we pursue, as, as um, sensible as we try to be, that's not going to be your meaning in life. Anything which rivals God's rightful place, whether it's a good gift like food, or finances to live, or a home, or a family—anything that might rival, that might rival in any way, God's place—can be turned to corruption and evil. We uh, we are we are asking the Holy Spirit to come in a special way today, to empower us in a special way, in a different way. Verse 42, they devote themselves, the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread and and to, to, sorry, to to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Pretty soon we're going to have communion together. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and they had everything in common. We admire these thoughts. We, We just love this image, don't we? But can you imagine the cost it'd be personally for us if we were to act in this way? Well, we, we admire it. We love it. We love the thought, but the amazing cost of being so connected with one another. Did you read... Uh, we were reading through the Scriptures and, uh, and last week, what, we were reading through Romans. And do you remember there was one part of Romans where it said how we belong to one another? We belong to one another? Do we, do we actually look at each other and say, actually, I belong to that person, and that person belongs to me? Often we only use that language in families, don't we? My daughter belongs to me. My, my wife belongs to me. I belong to my wife. But here, amongst the people of God, We are to belong to one another.